Loveless Oregon is a short story collection by Elliot Matson about death, rebirth, prosperity, and its pitfalls. Each story takes place in the same building in the same town across many years. The stories feature disparate characters in different situations linked by their geography and imposing omnipresent supernatural forces. All stories were written, narrated, recorded, and produced by me, Elliot Matson. If you want to learn more about the collection, go to elliotmatson.com slash loveless. But for now, sit back and enjoy the story. Welcome to Loveless. Oh, it's all at the Oregon Loveless, Oregon. Story number two. Praying for bad days. Cass. Why does she always do this? As if I have nothing going on in my life. She's all highfalutin. Obviously, I can just wait for her because I'm not doing anything important. That's what she probably thinks. 40 years and I'm still the one waiting. 40 minutes, a minute for every year. I told myself I was only going to put cream in my coffee, not sugar, but that crinkly white packet is waving at me in the ceramic ramekin from behind the ketchup. I take one more sip of tan, bland coffee, look at the waitress like I'm breaking some kind of unspoken promise, then quickly rip open the packet and dump in the sugar. There we go. How does anybody drink this stuff without it? Dad used to take his black. Mom never touched the stuff. We used to ask Dad to take sips of his even though we knew we didn't like it and then we'd all make grossed out faces and laugh till it hurt. He gave us sips of his beer too. God, Mom hated that. I shouldn't have taken so many. I check my watch. Mom's. Silver and rose gold shimmering in the morning sun. The underside is engraved with a camas root and Mom and Dad's wedding anniversary date. I remember helping Dad pick it out. It looks nice against the matte white paint of the table. I didn't want this table right up against the window because it gets too bright and I'm a little hungover. But the ocean does look pleasant today. A few fishing boats are trawling in the distance. It looks pleasant but not pleasant enough that I'd forget Valerie is now 45 minutes late. A minute for every year of hers. I guess I shouldn't even be mad that she's late. I don't want to think about the time right now. <sighs> Sunset Cafe. Thick, eggshell-white menus rubber-banded to little pieces of flat driftwood. Half the menu is juices or smoothies. Healthy bowls. Probably appeals to all those hippies or yippers or yipsters, whatever you call them, coming down from Portland or over from Bend all the time. Welcome to the 21st century. I hate being in these crowded, popular spots. The tables are too close together. Everyone's chewing in each other's ears. They knocked out a half wall so you can see into the kitchen. Why do I need to see that? People in classy running gear sweating and sipping chai lattes next to mommy walking groups who left their strollers parked outside like a line of Lexuses. Never would have thought a restaurant like this would survive in Loveless. Loveless is where stuff goes to die. Yet, here we are. This place has been so many things and I've only been one. Dad would walk us past this building or we'd drive past on our way to the boat launch. Always a new sign, a new paint job, new items propped lovingly in the window. I don't think it ever registered to me as a business failing, though. Reinventing is what it is. Despite these current surroundings, I admire it. The front door opens and in walks Valerie, glamorous as ever. She fits right in this effervescent cafe. I probably look like a leftover mannequin from when it was that consignment dress shop. She was always prettier, had the high cheekbones, the chestnut skin, the dark eyes, tall and confident, the right ratio of bust to hips. A true model of a modern Aussie woman just like mom. 
We were both short and squat as girls, and she grew out of it, just like she was able to grow right out of this town and never look back. I still feel like I see Dad when I look in the mirror. Muddled grayish complexion, beady black eyes, not quite curly, not quite wavy hair. He was German or Scandinavian, maybe, or I don't know exactly. Whatever he was, it wasn't the appropriate mix with Mom's stunning native beauty. Maybe that's why he always looked at Valerie differently. She reminded him of Mom. He treated her differently. Took her to do things. If he was out with Val, she was his beautiful, exotic daughter. If I was out with Mom, she could have been the nanny for all anyone knew. Valerie sits across from me. We don't hug. We never have. I say, what the heck is that? And point to the big thing she's trying to shove under the table with her designer purse. She chuckles and removes it from the plastic. You're going to think it's idiotic. I take it in both hands. It stares at me like a big, judgmental eye, and I have to look away. What are you going to do with a life preserver? The pale blue antique donut is about as big as the table. Cracked and flaking letters look like they're steadily sinking into the sea. Valerie covers it again and props it on the chair behind her. Well, you know Ray, Sadie, and I just moved into that new house? No. Ray had some antique furniture and plates from his mom from China, and so he thought it would be nice if I had something from home, too. So you've got a life preserver? That's a little fucked up, isn't it? Val rubs her brow, picking at a few errant hairs, and looks at the menu. I... I don't know. Okay, I just grabbed whatever at the gift shop. Try not to think about it. What's good here? I don't know what anything on this menu is, so I'm not much help. They lost me at Vegan Vanilla Protein Boost. Valerie laughs. She has Dad's laugh. A couple high-pitched yodels, followed by several percussive throaty bumps, like a ball bouncing until it stops. I pick at my cuticles and sip my cold coffee. Wish it was Irished up a little. Irish? Is that what Dad was? I'm probably going to stick with coffee, I say. My headache is worse than I thought. I mean, looks like you dumped enough sugar in there for a full meal anyway. She smiles, those perfect, unstained pearls. Can you drink it, or do you have to chew it? Ten years, and she's got to dig her claws in like that at the first opportunity. I scrape the sugar packet away, crumple it up, and tuck it under my menu. Why do you have to do that? I'm just saying, might help to get something green. Teeth from ear to ear, radiant. Mom. Listen, we can't all pop into New York City whenever we want to be hip to the latest health food crazes. It's not a craze, it's just being healthy, says Val smugly. And we live in Queens. It's not like I saunter through Times Square and go to the Rockefeller rooftop every day. You might know that if you ever left Loveless. I bite my lip. I wore a clean flannel today, combed my hair. I knew she'd still pick something apart. Two minutes in and I want to choke her with that donut and then go eat one at the gas station instead of whatever millet they serve at Sunset Cafe. But I can't leave yet. Val. How many days in a row has she worn this ensemble? I can smell the cheap beer on her from here. I'm just trying to say she should take care of herself. No doubt I look older than the last time I was here, but her? She looks like she aged for the both of us. I guess I shouldn't have said anything. And she's right. Why did I buy this life preserver? That is kind of fucked up. I'm not going to hang this in my house. I can't even think straight when I'm here. I hate this town. It brings out the worst in everything. The waitress comes over. She can't be more than 15. Makeup hiding forehead acne like spackle on drywall. Ruby lipstick, black eyeshadow, shiny turquoise earrings, and a choker to distract. Everyone here is so white. It was apparent when we were kids, but coming back, it always gets me. Even Cassandra looks like a sunbleached prune. Okay, that was harsh. But whatever color she had has been drained out of her, save for some bags under her eyes. We used to play cowboys and Indians when we were little. That was fucked up. 
She was always the cowboy, and I always rummaged through Mom's antiques for my wartime regalia. She had this incredible sealskin robe we were never supposed to touch, but we did when she was at work. She used to paint portraits of all the all-sea legends and weave traditional baskets in her free time. Ray probably expects me to bring one of those home. He'd suggest we put our bathroom magazines in it or something. He means well, but I can't. That stuff stays here. With Mom. Cass acts like Mom's gallery curator anyway. I noticed the watch displayed proudly on her wrist the second I walked in. I'm not going to say anything about it, but really? No way Mom gave her that. Well, no way Mom even remembers she had a watch in the first place. Or a wrist. But I'm not going to say anything. Cass and the waitress are staring at me, waiting for a decision. I'll have a recovery acai bowl, please? I slide the menu into the girl's gangly grasp. Feel like you need a recovery from being in town, what, five minutes? Cass grins. Try 40 years. I don't intend to. Man, what is up her ass today? It was just a long flight and driving from Portland. Takes it out of me. Sadie had the school project we were up late finishing, and it dawns on me that Cass has never met her and doesn't care about kids and doesn't care about this anecdote. She's just looking out the window at the ocean. I try to avoid the view. I hate the view. I hate this town. So, what's new with you? New? She peels the word out like a long hair stuck on her tongue. Not really anything. Sunset Cafe. This is pretty new. Other than that, nothing. How's work? It's a gas station. Doesn't really get better or worse. I tap the table before the next question. Inevitable. Inseparable. And... Mom? Cass sighs and slurps her coffee. Forty years and she still slurps. Dad always slurped. I always told him not to. And her. Fine, I guess. Anita is watching her right now, by the way. I didn't just leave her alone before you jumped to conclusions. I wasn't going to jump to anything. Mm. Slurp? I mean, I probably would have made sure someone was with her, subtly. You see to it that she's eating healthy at least? A little less sugar in her coffee, maybe? Cass rolls her eyes. I don't give her sugar or coffee. I know how diabetes works. And I know how dementia works, okay? I'm not an idiot. I know you're not an idiot. I'm just- Just what? Making sure I'm not killing her? I know you're not killing her. God, she's so dramatic. Well, if you have an opinion about the way I take care of her, then you can come home more often. The waitress sets the overflowing purple bowl in front of me, coconut and granola spilling over the edges. Little buildings and cars and people getting swallowed up by the ocean and lava. I suddenly don't have an appetite, but I force a spoonful and talk through frozen teeth. You're doing the best you can. I get it. What is her best, though? If I'm looking at it, that's a problem. Cass, if she's so concerned about mom, why doesn't she move back? Why doesn't she wrap some fishing line around my wrists and make me into a little caretaker marionette? She doesn't appreciate everything I do for that woman. It's bullshit. She gets to live her fancy-ass East Coast life. I get to decay and loveless. I missed my prime. Missed my friends. My opportunity with any guy who ever liked me. I wonder what happened to Gary McKinley. Everyone said he was the hottest guy in school, and who did he choose to date? Me. I heard he's a kiteboard instructor in Morocco. I bet Gary is hotter than Ray. Ray from Rochester, father of Sadie, star of the private, bougie Montessori school that probably costs more for one semester than I make in two years. Give me a break. Mom asked about you the other day. Oh? But I think she thought you were ten or something. She asked if you'd finished your homework. Shit. It's gotten that bad, huh? Yeah, that's what happens when you leave for a decade and barely check in. A sick woman gets sicker. Yep. 
Sometimes I think I'm the one going nuts. Come on, she's not nuts, Cass. It's a serious illness. Not saying it isn't. She never could take a joke. But I can laugh about it at least. When you hear her babbling in Coos or Siuslaw about Su'uku or Luxolena or a ghost forest and the world tumbling into the ocean, you be the judge. She even asked about Dad sometimes, too. Val drops her spoon and raises a quick hand. Can we not with him, please? You want to know about Mom? I'm telling you about Mom. You're telling me about Dad. We both shake our heads. I look out the window. She looks at her big, healthy bowl. Cars pass along Highway 101. The fishing boats have dispersed. A tour boat is making the rounds in the distance. Why didn't he take me out that day? I wasn't good enough for him. Val didn't even want to go. She doesn't like the ocean. She just wanted to be with him. Well, so did I. And why does she always make me feel bad about how I take care of mom? If it were Val, she'd have all her medicines and little plastic pill organizers. She'd be reading all the books on dealing with a parent with dementia, listening to podcasts about health and longevity, and it would be her cross to bear. And everyone would admire her for it, just like they admire her for everything, for surviving, for excelling in the face of adversity, for escaping this town, for being better than her good-for-nothing sister. She inherited Dad's wit, his brilliance, his spirit. All I got was alcoholism and a nut allergy. Everyone felt so bad for poor, poor Valerie. And in return, she got preferential treatment for the rest of her life. I heard them get up to leave. I heard the car start. I lay in bed in the milky twilight. Alone. Mom snoring in the other room. Abandoned. Now Val sleeps like a queen in some historic brownstone, and I'm still that second-choice little girl in a twin bed. Nobody asked me how I felt. Nobody asked if I was okay. Not even Mom. Not even Val. Val. It always has to come back to Dad. She can't let it go. Her insane idea that I was his favorite? Do you kill your favorites? No, he had no favorites. All he had was a 24-pack of High Life and Johnny Walker Red. I would give anything to go back and not get on that boat. What was I supposed to do? He woke me up and we left. I try to stomach another freezing bite of granola, but it stings my fillings. So what do you want to talk about then? Asked Cass with her nails scratching at the bistro table. They really did a number on this place. I should get the name of their interior designer for the Cape Cod house. Ray loves this kind of shiplap shit. When I got my prom dress here, the walls were caving in. Now it's immaculate. But you can't completely change something. You can still smell decaying must, old craggly wood and lead paint fumes under the heavy glaze of cinnamon bun frosting and artisanally sourced Colombian coffee beans. No matter how hard they try, it'll always be the same. Mmm, something a little less depressing, I say. <sighs> Cass makes waves in her coffee. What do you know about depression? You're floating into town, picking up souvenirs, and then you'll disappear again for another decade. I nod and bite my tongue. When I look at her, I'm looking at Dad. Those sullen eyes and the one eyebrow that's permanently cocked, front teeth slightly overlapping like they're two mitten children holding hands. What do I know about depression? More than she'll ever know. She works part-time, lives rent-free, and takes half-assed care of Mom. Cass probably still steals cash out of the woman's wallet. Mom probably bought that coffee. What the hell is with you today? Can I just come here and have it not be an issue? I didn't say it was. You're making it one. And you aren't. Because I don't want to talk about Dad. How many times do we have to dredge this up? If you want to think I was his favorite, fine. But if your bed would have been next to the door instead of mine, he would have woken you up. Is that what you want? I feel the numbness, the salt in my lungs, the cold polyester of the Coast Guard man's jacket as I hug him, sobbing uncontrollably. 
my heart suffocating like a squid tentacle tightening around it until it's about to burst. I don't understand why we always have to relitigate this. Would you prefer to have almost drowned? Watch Dad disappear into the ocean in the dark? Go through years and years of therapy and counseling? Be my guest. He took me out and almost killed me. He took you out to save you. He was drunk off his ass and wanted to go on a boat ride. End of story. It's taken me 30 years to come to terms with that. Has nothing to do with me or you or mom. Dad was never the same once he heard about that guy who owned the whale tour company disappearing. Dad always talked about making something for himself, starting his own business, eventually taking us all and leaving Loveless for good. The disappearance was all over the papers. They never found the guy. Dad was convinced he sailed to Fiji or some tropical island or some shit. And every bottle of scotch convinced him even more that he could do the same. Don't talk about him like that, says Cass with fire on her breath. I can talk about him however that... People are looking over now. I smile awkwardly and finish my sentence as a harsh whisper through my teeth, readjusting my spoon and napkin. I can talk about him however the hell I want to. Well, one day maybe if I almost drowned, I can do what I want to. I dump my head in my hands and squeeze. The silverware shakes and a cute preppy couple inches their table away. Cass, if you want to move, leave town, you can. We can hire someone to take care of mom. I've told you that. You don't have to. <sighs> You'd like that, huh? Another knock against me in a long line of failures. I'm not keeping score. Maybe I am. So far, it looks like one daughter abandoned mom and never comes home, and the other put her entire life on hold to take care of her. Okay, why do I even bother? You go right ahead thinking that. Cass, I could have left dozens of times. More than that. But I didn't. Because Val already did. I couldn't let mom get sicker. Val never even realized the early signs of dementia. I did. I was the one who brought her to the doctor. I was the one who practically diagnosed her diabetes. Because I know her. Val wouldn't even recognize her. And she'd say it was my fault she didn't recognize her. But I'm the only thing keeping her alive. How's the acai bowl? Val pushes it aside. Fine. Cold. What is acai, anyway? Some health food garbage. I think they're like blueberries, but worse. We both chuckle. We used to tell each other stories at night in our beds, look at the shadows on the ceiling of the little rambler and create anything that came to our heads. Usually things adapted from the old Alsi stories mom would tell us or Clint Eastwood movies dad would watch that we'd hear muffled through the walls. Mom used to show us the stumps in the ocean when the tide went out. She said they were part of a whole forest our ancestors lived in. And one day the edge of the ocean crept a little closer. An earthquake sheared the forest in an instant and the land washed away. Right over that wall on the other side of Highway 101. The stumps were petrified and preserved. I like to think Dad is down there somewhere. That he still takes long walks and points out all the different fish that swim by or how the sand billows and clumps with every step. You remember Freddy Weber? Val's eyebrows knit like a clove hitch. Like hot dog eating contest, Freddy Weber? Exactly. He came into the gas station the other day. Val grimaces and shakes her head. An eagle flies above the water, hunting. I hope he didn't buy one of those disgusting hot dogs. <laughs> I was about to give him a two-for-one deal, but he's vegan now. Can you believe that? I'm surprised we haven't seen him in this place yet. Right? We both exhale the same awkward little laugh like mom when we'd run into an annoying neighbor at Walmart and chew on our cheeks. Is that Cassandra Bird I see? A towering slender woman in purple yoga pants and crisp white sneakers sidles over to the table. 
Her arms stay bent at the elbows like she'll continue on her power walk at any moment. I don't recognize her at first, but her raspy voice claws from the back of my brain instantly. The S in Cassandra shears the glass in the large window frame. Her bright yellow eyes are like splintered egg yolks suspended in the shadows of her moisture-wicking visor. Marion, I blurt out finally. Sorry, I completely did not recognize you out of your uniform. I don't think I've ever seen your legs since you're always behind the counter. I laugh too loud to compensate. This is so awkward. God, why is she here? Why today? Why right now? I check mom's watch. My watch. Marion does a twirl and a curtsy. Her waist flows like a ballerina half her age and her foot could probably reach the ocean from here. Yes, she hisses. I have a body outside of that white box of a pharmaceutical frock. And who's this? Val is baffled by the presence of the spandexed vixen. I forget she's here for a second. Oh, this is my sister, Val. Yeah, I'm in town from New York. I see. She crouches to look us both in the eyes. Her protruding visor brim practically touches our foreheads. Her assessment is low, hoarse, and serious. Yes, I see the resemblance. Not so much in the look, I suppose, but in the soul. I study my breathing in her cold gaze. Her pupils are inescapably dark. I can almost see my breath. She switches on a dime to a more jovial tone with a blinding smile. I promise I believe in medicine. I'm not woo-woo or anything like that. Val laughs uncomfortably. So do I. She starts picking at her aside gruel again for something to do. I like to see her out of her element, but I'm a little too on edge to fully enjoy it. Marion is certainly an unexpected change of pace to this sisterly reunion. Whenever I have to go into Halsteads to pick up Mom's medicine, she's so informative. There's the Lantus insulin. That's for long-acting baseline control. You'll want to give her the Humalog before meals and such. I can give you some metformin as well. She might be the closest friend I have, and we mostly talk about dosages and insurance coverage. Mostly. And I still didn't even recognize her in a different outfit. Marion's definitely seen me at my worst, most frazzled states. I wonder if she knew I was drunk a few weeks ago when I came to pick up Mom's prescriptions. I wonder if she remembers our conversation. Val tries to pry like she always does. So, you two know each other well? Marion is a pharmacist at Halstead's, I say. Or, I guess you know it as Corner Drug, Val. Used to be Billy Fraser's dad's place, remember? She's Marion's, the one I always pick up Mom's prescriptions from. I haven't met your sweet mother, says Marion, but Cass takes such... Good care of her, I know. Why did she have to grin like that at me? I wonder if Val noticed. I wish she wouldn't have recognized me. How did I not see her first, those eyes, that voice? I see her all the time. Maybe I'm just tired, or a little buzzed, or distracted, or guilty. Val leans toward Marion. You haven't met our mom, Nancy Bird? It's a pretty small town, and I don't think she's ever left. Oh, no, I'm in and out, really, and I work a lot. Marion, I say to cut off Val's line of questions, but then have to think of a follow-up. Where, um, where do you live, exactly? I don't think I've ever seen you around town. I didn't need to ask another question. Why am I making conversation? She was about to leave. The back of my head is starting to sweat in this baking sun through the window. She looks at me with those soul-scraping eyes and bobs her head. I don't actually live in town, hun. Commute in. You know that. We've talked about it. Have we? Marion sways sideways and her feet barely touch the floor. Her hands are lobster claws. Say, how is that new adjustment to your mom's prescriptions? Is it working like you hoped? Suddenly Val really wants to be best friends with Marion. 
If there was a potential for information on something I screwed up with mom, she pounces like a hyena. What do you mean, adjustment? Cass? It's a pretty common thing. I snap quickly and block her face with my hand. Yes, very common, grins Marion. Stop the grinning. I really could use something else in this coffee. A typical insulin adjustment, she affirms. Always new diabetes research. And the doctor recommended this? Of course, Valerie, I interject and slouch in my chair like when she'd asked me if I'd studied for a spelling test. God, why do you have to be such a little sleuth all of a sudden? Because I'm interested in mom's well-being. Pretty easy to be once a decade. Come on, what the f- Well, says Marion in a dulcet coo with her elbows perky and raised, I really must be going. It was a pleasure to meet you, Valerie. And Cassandra, I do hope everything works out with your sweet mother. Okay, Will. Toodaloo. Marion sashays away. I don't even see the door open or hear the bell chime. She's just gone. What did she mean by that? Presses Val. The table tips toward her as she leans. The life preserver slides to the floor, lifeless. By what? She hopes everything will work out? What does that mean? (sighs) Val, the doctor switched mom's insulin regimen. Longer lasting doses. It's helpful for mom. It's helpful for me. Less things to remember. We don't need me losing my fucking mind too, right? Val settles back into her chair. It's a good thing she leans away so she can't smell the bullshit on me. Or the beer. This flannel reeks. She is one eccentric pharmacist, Val says as she checks her phone. Yeah, I say. The sun glimmers on the water like a million pennies in a fountain. But it's too late to wish away anything I've done. Val. If that's the kind of woman Cass is friends with in this town, I'm glad I don't have to live here. Text from Ray. Do you know where Sadie's Spongebob bracelet is? She has a Spongebob bracelet? Apparently. She's freaking out right now. Ha ha. Yikes. Well, can't help you from here, Mr. Krabs. How are things back home? Weird. I hate it here. At this new cafe with Cass, she's being her normal, pleasant self. I'm sure it'll be fine. Just relax. I can't when I'm here. Try. Call me later if you need me. Love you. Heart emoji. Update. The bracelet was in your underwear drawer. Three exclamation marks. What, you've already lost interest in being here? Cass scowls at my phone. I drop it in my purse. No, no, Ray just needed something important. He can't even let you spend some time at home, huh? What are you talking about? You're with his family all the time and we don't bug you. He's not bugging me, and we live 20 minutes from his family. It's a big difference. Cass crosses her arms and picks at a thread on her gross flannel. It's not a competition, Cass. And you can come out to visit. I told you I'll pay for the flight. And what? Leave mom? You left her to come here? See? She scratches her head ferociously. Dandruff sparkles in the window. I can't win with you. Ever. I didn't mean it like that. Yes, you did. She thinks I don't want her to be a part of my life. That I have a new family. Can't she understand that being back here hurts me? That it gives me a pit in my stomach so deep I feel like I'm going to collapse? I can't look out this window without feeling his hand pull me out of bed, put me in the car, hearing him babble about what a fun boat ride we're going to take, hearing him shout sing Sloop John B as waves crashed over the bow, him taking swig after swig and holding onto my arm till it hurt, then losing his grip, being hypothermic bobbing in the ocean screaming so loud I couldn't breathe, the searchlight pouring over me in an upside-down aluminum boat. Screaming for Dad. The burly men in yellow windbreakers telling me he's gone, that it wasn't my fault, but I knew it had to be. Why else was I alive and he wasn't? Look, I say, 
I slide my hands gently toward her. Can we move on from this? I'm only here for today, and I don't want to be fighting when we go see Mom. Why does she make me feel like it's my fault that I left? Despite everything, I got good grades, got a scholarship. I know Cass needed me. But what's wrong with some tough love? She could have excelled without me around, risen to the occasion, but she decided to work at a gas station. She decided to leech off mom. And so what if I have a new family, better than this family ever was? Maybe I'm someone else when I'm with them. Maybe I don't want to feel like I'm Valerie Cowhook Bird from Loveless, Oregon. No, no, it's Loveless. Now, you've probably never heard of it my whole damn life. Cass is too much like Dad to ever amount to something more. I'm not going to say anything about the watch. I'm really not. I'm not. Do you have the time? 310. Nice watch. God damn it. I'm manipulative. I know it. But I mean, come on. She looks at me like she knows exactly what I'm thinking. She leans back and sits on her hands, shying away her gaze. Cass. I shouldn't have worn the watch. That was so stupid. Actually, no. Who cares? Don't I get a consolation prize for ruining my entire life? It's a dumb watch. Recompense for 30 years of going nowhere. Watching mom get worse and worse and realizing Val wasn't going to do anything about it. There were signs before Val left. Forgetting stuff, talking to people who weren't there. That time Ed Satchel from the grocery store called us and said she had been wandering the aisles for two hours. Val didn't care. She pretended not to notice. Because she made up her mind already about leaving. And she left. Left us. Left me. I've done a good job. I deserve this. I deserve a break. My phone vibrates in my pocket. Is it time yet? Just the thought makes my eyelids dance and my throat close. I rub the glass face of the watch, wiping away smudges while making new ones. Did it have a tick before? It's so loud, but I don't remember ever hearing it. Don't you think this is hard for me? I say through gritted teeth and rubber lips. I never said it wasn't. Val's deep brown eyes stand like mirrors. In her left, I see my grizzled self. In her right, I see the little girl who just wanted her dad back. Wants her sister back. My phone vibrates again. Because it is. I try, you know. I try really, really hard. My jaw tenses. I crunch every syllable. Marion said there were two options when I talked to her that night at the pharmacy. The rickety bistro table shakes on the floorboards. Kids laugh and cyclists in clicky metal shoes pay their tab. They're all off to live their lives, to do something they want to do. Don't I deserve that? I know, Cass. Val reaches for my hands and I pull them back. Really hard. I growl and choke. I could stop giving her the lantus, said Marion. That's an option. It's really common, said Marion. It's hard to regulate diabetes and dementia. Those yellow eyes, that warm smile. She was trying to help. I feel my phone vibrate again and keep ignoring it. I have to. Or I could give her more, said Marion. Give her insulin while telling mom to give herself doses too. Happens all the time. She wouldn't remember. You'd be helping her, said Marion. She's a pharmacist. She's a friend. She wanted to help me. Finally, someone who wanted to help me. My lip is trembling and I bite it till I taste blood. I know you're doing your best, says Val softly. Mom would be proud of you. I know there's a part of her that's still her, and she is. She can't all of a sudden be compassionate. Not now. It's done. I made up my mind. I deserve this. I deserve what she has. I can't see through the haze. Val is a blurry tan blob. I work hard to be here for her because you are aren't. I do everything she needs. Even when she's gotten more and more sick, more and more awful, and she's gotten meaner. I wipe my eyes with the designer napkin. It's not her fault. It's not you. 
She's not trying to be. But she is. And it's all on me. Nobody else. Don't you think that wears on me? Wouldn't it wear on you? What you're doing is helping her, Cass. Help? Val, there is no help anymore. There's just constant decline. Walking to the edge of that goddamn wall across the highway and wondering when it's time to jump. There was a time I thought she was getting better when when I thought I was helping her get better. But she's not going to. That's the thing I realized. My phone's vibrating again and it's making my leg quiver and jolt. At this point, you'd think I'd be hoping for more good times, more moments with her, more memories, more anything. But I don't. I go to bed every night and wake up every morning praying for a bad day. Because, because that would mean it's all finally over. The waitress refills our waters. Ice clinks against my brain. It won't take long though, right? Marion assured it wouldn't. What time did I say it was? 3.10? I swallow hard. I bat around for the water glass. Some spills on the table. I drink the whole thing. Drowning in the frigid waves, just like Dad. My phone hasn't stopped ringing. I pull it halfway out of my pocket. Seven missed calls. Another one. Anita. I thought Val would know I was lying instantly when I said Mom wasn't alone. I hope Anita didn't come too early. She couldn't have. I told her 305 because that makes the most sense. Please, Anita, don't make today the one time in your life you're actually on time, you fucking spinster bitch. How long did I leave Mom alone? Is it done? Is it over? Please say it's over. Cass, Cass, please. Val says sweetly. Calm down. What are you, what are you saying? I clutch my phone, feel the plastic warping against my palm. The screen might be cracking for all I know. My tiny, whispered words tremble and fall through my teeth like lemmings. I could be free. Like you. The phone isn't stopping, so I have to answer. I have to step to the edge of the wall. I keep looking at Val, keep looking at myself. I tap the green button and slowly drag the phone to my ear. It doesn't touch my skin. The voice yells at me from a thousand miles away, across a canyon, across the ocean. Cassandra? Anita's plea is crackled and frantic. Cass, says Val. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Are you there? Cass, what's going on? Hello? Cass! I stare at the ocean and every word melts away. I try to see myself out there. Out in the distance. In the sun. Fading away. Walking through a ghost forest. Because that would mean it's finally over. Thanks for listening to Loveless Oregon. If you want to learn more about the collection, go to elliotmatson.com slash loveless.